This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, a friend, a foe, you at home decide who is who. I'm joined by Kate Lamphier. Hi. And our very special guest for this week's episode, Kickstarter extraordinaire, comic book writer extraordinaire, Curtis Clow. Hello. Uh, thank you both for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk about comic books. But before we get into that, and before I ask the legally mandated questions on this show, we have a very special guest, Curtis Thank you so much for being on IRE Comic Books, man. We are very excited to talk to you. I guess before we get into things, could you tell everybody at home a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, thank you for having me. I am a full-time comic writer. Uh, I write comics. I've done 15 Kickstarters, and I have a book coming out with Dark Horse uh, in a month. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very exciting for I guess for some of the books you may have heard if you're if you're one of those people like me who's on Kickstarter pretty often you maybe have seen Beastland slightly exaggerated these are two books that I'm constantly following I know Kate you're also reading some of Curtis's work right right yeah I've I've read um, Wild Cosmos and and Beastlands nice yeah Wild Cosmos was my first ever series Beastlands my second and uh, now I have like four creator on series so slightly exaggerated in the third one. Yeah. And I, you know, I, you said you did 15 Kickstarters. I think they've all been pretty successful. I mean, I think my favorite thing to see in my email sometimes is, Hey, we've got the next book coming out and I'm just like fist pumping at my house, ready to back that. <laughs> um, and I, I love the way that you've, you've organized all of your Kickstarters. I mean, I think it's really cool, but I, I do want to talk about all of this and more, I think later in the show, but let's, let's just dig into things. I've got these legally mandated questions <laughs> I've got to ask for every single episode. How have you been? How have comic books been? I guess let's start with you, Kate. I've been good. It's it's gardening season now, and if if you uh, have been listening for a year or more, you will know that I I've been trying to garden and I'm bad at it, but I'm still trying. Um, and we this year, we believe in you. This year, I have a few raised beds that my dad made, and so I'm putting even more work into getting those set up and filled. Um, just a few vegetable plants, but hopefully I can make it make it happen and make it look nice um, so my neighbors don't complain because they're very close. <laughs> um, the, I've been reading um, a fair amount. Uh, I want to talk the most about it's it's called Graceling um, and it's actually an adaptation. The first novel is by Kristen Kishore and then the adaptation is by Gareth Hines. I've actually read the YA novel multiple times. It's a fantasy story where there are some people who have magic powers, which can be like anything really kind of like kind of like X-Men. <laughs> OK, you're selling me. And the main character, Katsta, thinks she's graced, which is what it what it's called when they have powers. She thinks that she's graced with a killing power, which she and she's being used as like an enforcer by her uncle, who is the king. And then she meets a prince from a neighboring kingdom who she thinks is graced with fighting and he's looking for his missing grandfather and there's like a whole conspiracy there and um, Katza decides that she's sick of basically being a bad guy for her uncle and she leaves with this prince and they go on to uncover this this missing grandfather conspiracy and like what happened there and then they discover more about their powers and each other. Uh (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kate. (laughs) I should have known this is where it was going. I should have known. I've actually read a couple of books adapted by Gareth Hines before, notably Macbeth and The Merchant of Venice, which are very different material. (laughs) Uh, And and I, I like his work. I like the things that he chooses to adapt. And I was very surprised that he went from Shakespeare to YA. But it actually the rear matter in the book details how he approached 
um, Kristen Kishore to adapt her story, which I think is just very cool. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And Kristen Kishore being, you know, a YA author was like, yeah, totally, let's do it. <laughs> and I think that uh, I think that his art worked well for the story. He captured the character's expressions really well. And like, I already knew the story. So I maybe had an upper hand with this. But like, I knew which characters were holding secrets. And I feel like with his art, I could see that in their like in their eyes and their posture, um, see that they were kind of hiding, hiding something or withholding something. Um, and I, I didn't actually know that this, this book was adapted until I just saw it at a bookstore on the shelf. So I wanted to shout out to the bookstore Schuler's in Michigan. Um, they have stores in Okemos and Grand Rapids and they have five comics and manga sections. It's amazing. And it's like a normal bookstore. It's this big, big bookstore with, you know, just, just normal books also. I mean, there's been a renaissance, right? Like YA books and, and especially graphic novels and stuff selling in that, that direction. I mean, they're they're becoming some of the biggest sellers in the country beyond pro tr traditional prose books. So, yeah, their manga sections are right up front, exactly mm -hmm. where I want them. It's great. Right. Um, it's it's so that kids don't have to wander in and, and linger too much. Right. They're just like, <laughs> get your shit. Get out of this Schuler's bookstore. Adults are trying to find books here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there are already two other published sequels for, for the YA novels, and there are a few more to come. Um, and I really hope that Heinz keeps adapting the series because it's, it's great. I really enjoy, I really enjoy adaptations. <laughs> yeah. Who would you, who would you recommend this book to that if, I mean, cause it sounds interesting to me, but like, yeah. um, I'm curious to know, like if there, if there are other people you'd recommend this to. I mean, if you read fantasy YA um, then you're gonna love this. I mean, it is. It came out during the, uh, um, like the the Hunger Games and Divergent um, uh, popular time. <laughs> right. It's, it's when everything um, was like dystopian, horrible future, yeah. but the teens would save the future, right? Right. And I mean, like this is this is more of a fantasy story, but it's still like the the bad guys are are the rulers, and what are these kids gonna do to fix it? Mm -hmm. Um. So it's it's really got that kind of overall theme to it, but then it is like ultimately about like I mean they're discovering what their powers can do and like the limits of them. They're they're figuring out how to and, and just how to like communicate about right. that with one another and how to right. how to like control their powers, which is really like you know controlling how you react to things, which is a life skill. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like I this is this book is very borderline. Like they're discovering their powers and each other, like that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that yes. is the un, like the re read between the lines there. Um, yeah, the, this is really the most romantic book in in the series. The rest okay. of them are are more are more. I don't know fantasy, less less romance. I mean, I don't. Th there's nothing wrong with fantasy. I just I'm just playing with the you know the joke yeah. of the trope there. Um, but X-Men in medieval times, but it's not Marvel 1602. You've sold me. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no, that's, that sounds really, really cool. But uh, Curtis, uh, what about you? How have you been? Welcome to the show again. Um, what kind of comics have you been reading? All that stuff. I'm doing good. I uh, was at a late comedy show last night. So, you know, just up early to, uh, to make sure I can get on this show. Mm -hmm. But uh, as a creator, it's always like trying to find the balance of reading and creating and uh, sometimes reading falls to the side. But uh, there's a series I really love called Step by Bloody Step by like yeah. one of my favorite creative teams, uh, Cy Spurrier and Mactaeus Bergera, I want to say is how you pronounce his name. Mm -hmm. But it's a wordless comic. Uh, they did Coda, which is like one of my all-time favorite series. It's like a three volumes from Boom. 
Um, but it's a weird fantasy series where I, I, I wouldn't say it's like all ages maybe, but it's uh, like there's no words, but it's somehow you just find yourself like exhausted after reading it just because there's like every panel is just packed with details. And you're just like if you like just read it slowly and just look at every panel, there's just so much to see. And it's a beautiful book. Mateus, I think, is like one of the top artists out there right now. And it's colored by Matt Lopez, who's an amazing colorist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely recommend that book. Like, I, like I said, like, I feel like it's for like ages like twelve and up, probably, and like, anybody could read it. Yeah, that book is is killer. I, I it's probably one of my most look forward to series or yeah series that are coming out right now. Um, only because I feel like it was such a bold <laughs> a bold idea for a, a series to come out and say, hey, there's going to be no words in this book. Um, right, and it, right. we're we're going to have a. It's not just going to be like a, a solo creator on this thing. To, to to see a team work together on a book like this, um, is really really interesting to me. Um, I I'd be curious to know your thoughts about uh how you think this creative team approached writing and you know i guess like drawing and all that kind of stuff from your perspective as a comic book creator um like what's your guess as to how they did this book yeah i mean first i just love the experimentation and anytime like a a great team like that just try something different and uh and especially with like a huge publisher like image um i think i listened to a few of size uh interviews and i think he does like a full script but i'm sure it's like a very collaborative process with mateus i think they're like very involved as like co-creating it all Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it, it's just cool to see like, like I, I've never thought about doing a wordless comic, but after like reading that and just seeing how well done it is, it'd be fun to just like experiment and try it and see what you could do. Um, yeah. I don't know. As a writer, I, I don't know if it makes your job easier or harder, like almost harder because you have to like tell the story without any words and uh, make sure like you're describing all the actions and the panel descriptions and stuff. I think it'd be hard. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's. It is, like you said, it's a really, really interesting book because of how experimental it feels. Like, I think when this book was first coming out, I said here on, on the show that, like, this is an original, right? Like, we've seen wordless comics for decades. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact to do an entire series like this um, is is really, really interesting with a, with a paired creative team. Because I know that I probably own a graphic novel or, or, or two that is completely wordless, right? But it's yeah, usually, definitely. like, a single person who's putting something like that together. You yeah. Know? And I think this is a four-issue series. I just got issue three, and I think it's only four issues yeah that's gonna be yeah. Like the full thing yeah no that's that's super solid and then the other series i, I just read the trade for the me you love in the dark by scotty young and george corona and uh they're the team up that did uh middle west I, I read one volume of that and i really liked it i gotta get to the last two um but scotty is a you know he's, he's a great artist like he did like grew and like tons of stuff from marvel and stuff but now mm-hmm. he's just writing a bunch of series and i feel like He's like slowly becoming like one of the top writers that I like reading his stuff, um, which is like, I don't know, it just shows like his talent and how good he is to also be like writing these amazing books. It's a like a thriller horror book, which I don't read much of, uh, like I would like to read more. But this one's like very subtle horror where this girl moves to this haunted house and she's an artist and she's having like art block. And then this kind of like ghost creature thing kind of slowly helps her get through it and uh, becomes like obsessed with her. And it's just really well done, really subtle horror and like thriller. And that that also gives me, um, I guess, gives me ideas to like one day maybe write some type of horror or thriller book. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, that's I've looked at this book, I I think, since it came out and I I've always been like on the fence. and I don't I don't know why Um, I I like horror books sometimes, um, but maybe I'll give this one a try. I think you you might be the first or second person to recommend it. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful book. George Corona is a great artist. And then, you know, with that whole team up, they work with the uh, colorist Gene Francois. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he colored Middle West with them. And 
it's just that that team. Uh, I think I'll read like any book they put out. Yeah, yeah. Scotty Young's books have have been like very very good. Like his Grim book that ju- or not Grim book, uh, Twig book that just came out. Yeah, I want to read that. It looks great. It, it's. I mean, I don't under I don't know what it is, but Scotty Young, I feel like really nails the young adult kind of comic like or not even young adult like the harry potter and the sorcerer's stone level of like simple like character story where there can be some very dramatic um types of beat story beats where like death is involved and scary things are happening but Mm -hmm. at the same time you never feel like it goes beyond like a pg or a pg-13 rating um like it's exactly how middle west felt like it was definitely uh you know it's about this like young kid but it it felt mature in ways as well mm mm-hmm And that's how I feel about his Strange Academy. Like that book, I am absolutely addicted to because I think like he's he's managed to create. You know, I I use the magic school analogy, but like he he's managed to create a very interesting magic school that doesn't feel like it's trying to be super extreme or super bleak. And I know that it's got to fit into the Marvel continuity and it's like teenagers and all of this stuff. But um, I still feel like there are stakes and like there's risk and there's all sorts of different things that you would expect out of a, like a younger oriented story without it feeling like it is only for kids, you know? Is, um, is yeah. he drawing that or just writing it? Uh, he's, he's just writing it. I, oh, I think yeah. I can't remember who's on the art, but it's somebody that you'll go, Oh my God, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, um, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, that book is solid as, as heck. So, I mean, uh, maybe uh, I feel like I'm eventually going to become this huge uh, Scotty Young fan and I'm not going to want to admit it to everyone because I feel like I was so like, ah, Scotty Young, you can only draw those little chibi characters for the longest time. <laughs> but uh, I guess, well, for me this week, uh, I read a handful of books. I thought that I was not going to be able to read any comics this week because I just have I just moved recently into a house and um, I don't know if anybody else is out there has done that, but it takes up all of your time 24 seven. Um, so you really have to like fight to have the energy to sit down and read comics and stuff. But um, I did uh, my, the top of my pile post that I had last week um, for the show. Uh, I did say that I was going to read cheer up love and pom poms by Crystal Frazier and Val Wise with uh, letters by Oscar O Jupiter. Um, and I was really, really pleased with this book. I thought it looked really fun. Uh, this came out from Oni Press. I think last week on the show, I said it came out from Comixology Originals. That was totally a lie. I apologize. Can't believe we didn't get a dozen letters about that. But yeah, I, I thought this was really, really good. It was super wholesome and fun and still managed to talk about the core of the story, which was the main character is a trans girl who has joined the cheerleading squad in school, but uh, they're able to talk about that without it feel like feeling like someone slapped you in the face with this is all the adversity that this character has to, you know, overcome like the adversity and the, the, the different like drama points in the story are not about her being trans, which I thought was really like good. Like it's nice to read a story like that, um, but still have her uh, like have who she is be at the core of the story at the same time i did appreciate there was like a slap in the face early on in the book of at like all of the cis allies in the story who are just like oh we're going to be able to use this s or use like this experience of us putting this woman um who is now the head of our cheerleading squad uh it, it would be able to use this in an essay to write for college and stuff um i thought there was, it was really really funny the way that they approached that and they like really I guess, took the piss out of people who probably do that in real life, where they think that they're doing good deeds for other people who are part of marginalized groups, but it's just all virtue signaling so that they can benefit themselves. Um, And yeah, really, really good book. Like I'm making this sound like more serious than it was, but I feel like these topics are peppered into a very wholesome, like younger oriented uh, comic that um, 
that really, really reads well. And it's, it's, I was saying this to, to my, to Nick, um, very recently, this felt like a good 90 minute film, right? Where like, when you watch a 90 minute movie, that's really solid from beginning to end, you appreciate like the conciseness of the story. And that's exactly how I felt about this book. It was 128 pages, really hit every beat. Didn't feel like any moment was wasted. Characters were able to breathe. They were able to have down moments and there were moments of pause, but out it feeling like the whole story was crammed into what would probably be like four or five single issue comics. And yeah, like Val Wise's art was really solid throughout, like really capturing the look of a modern day teenage story, like similar to Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. Um, But I did like that there was some cartoonish elements to it that kind of reminded me of things like Squirrel Girl or Fence, where you can tell there's a little bit of anime, a little bit of cartoon inspiration um, without taking you too far out of the story. Um, And then, of course, I coupled this by watching Turning Red like an hour later. (laughs) So I was like very much feeling a lot of teenage feels for some reason (laughs) as a a 34 year old man. Um, But yeah, it was really, really good. I I think I would really recommend this book if you're looking for something that is um, about like uh, a a trans character um, without it having be like them having to overcome all of the things that I think come traditionally with a story about uh, trans folks. So um, super solid. I think that this would pair really well or complement like Check Please, which is another LGBT sports YA book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really liked it. I really like this book, too. Yeah, I think Check Please maybe goes a little bit further in like the explicitness, maybe Um, probably edging it more towards PG-13 or rated R in some cases. I haven't finished that story yet, but either way, solid book. Cheer up, love and pom-poms. Highly recommend it. Um, somebody recently asked me to start saying the names of the books after I finish talking about them because I never do that. So there you go. Cheer up, love and pom-poms. Um, the other book I want to talk about really quick is 8 Billion Genies number one. Uh, this is from Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. The long and short of this story is what if suddenly everyone in the world, 8 billion people, had access to a genie who could grant you one and only one wish? And the answer is immediate chaos. <laughs> The only thing I could say about this book without spoiling it, because really everyone should just go read this book. It's so fun and it's such a fast read. It's really dumb. It's really fun, but in like the best ways possible, right? Like you get introduced to a handful of characters and then this crazy thing happens where everyone suddenly gets a genie and then the end of the book happens. Like I I can't even (laughs) describe it. Um, But uh, yeah, Cinco in the chat is saying Curse Words is one of their favorite books. I, I really think that if you like curse words you're going to love eight billion genies because i think 8 billion genies has way less structure so far than curse words <laughs> does in in all of the best ways um it, it's really over the top it feels like a manga book in that you get immediately introduced to like a dozen characters and then suddenly this crazy thing happens and the fallout is the last few pages of the issue um i i really really appreciated how just stupid and fun it is and i i feel like i'm using words that are typically uh, uh you know attached to things that are bad but like there is i i think there is such a thing of like dumb and fun in a really really good way and that's what this book is and i would i gave this like a five out of five because it's so much fun so yeah definitely recommend this book if you haven't read it yet it's it, ryan brown and charles soul are a crazy combination of people um and i always enjoy ryan brown's art and his his writing style because i know that this is a extremely collaborative effort between the two of them so does image publish this yeah this is published by image okay 
have to check it out. It sounds good. Yeah, it, it just came out last week. I <laughs> I knew that it was going to be fun because I'd heard some other people talk about it who had gotten advanced reviews. I didn't imagine how much fun it could have been. Like I was way off base when I thought about how fun it could have been. So it was it's very, very good. That's cool. Yeah. Instead of so, so many stories are so dramatic and uh, it's, it's cool to see somebody just do something fun. Uh, that's, you know, just pointless fun. Yeah. I, and, and this is the thing that I, I always find really interesting about like people like Ryan Brown or Kyle Starks or, or, uh, you know, Daniel Kibblesmith or Ryan North, like all of these guys. And I, I'm, I realize I just named four men, but like still <laughs> all of these people are, you know, there are, are not that many folks doing straight up comedy comics because one, right, they're probably right. some of the hardest comics to make in the industry. And two, it's like, comics are more than that but at the same time it's nice to actually get like a straight up comedy comic you know what i mean totally yeah but yeah i guess uh i guess we can uh take a quick break here and we come back we're going to talk about comics that are on the top of our pile we're going to talk a little bit more to curtis about what's going on in his world as far as comic creation is concerned so we'll take a quick break and be right back our show this week we're talking to the one and only curtis clow about comic books but before we get into that we got to talk about what's on the top of our pile let's talk about books that we're excited for that are coming out or books that are just up next on our to read list because who among us is completely caught up on their comics i say no one i say no one out there is completely caught up so we're talking about books new old whatever (laughs) you have next to read so i guess let me let's just kick things over to you curtis what are you excited for what are you looking forward to reading next I really want to read the uh, We Only Find Them When They're Dead, Volume 1. Uh, I have it. I just... <laughs> yeah. By, uh, with Boom Studios. I, I read the first issue so long ago, and I have the trade. I just haven't gotten to it yet, and uh, I really want to. I, I love sci-fi. I love that kind of sci-fi. And I remember the first issue just being so good by uh, Al Ewing and uh, Simone DeMio. Mm-hmm. Simone's an amazing artist. He did Power Rangers for a while. He's, he's like, I just feel like he's one of the top artists out there, and he's just going to keep crushing it. But the book is just super intriguing where they find these gods in space and they're dead and they're giants and they like harvest their body parts. If I remember correctly, they're like mm-hmm. cutting off like their meat and stuff. And I, do you know how long the series goes for? Like I know that one volume's out. I'm not sure if it's ongoing. Um, I, I think it's ongoing for the foreseeable future, but there was like a huge gap in when issues came out, okay. if I remember correctly. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the latest issue is. Volume two is coming out soon. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm almost certain I've read volume two. Maybe I've just read a few more issues. I, I should say the one. collection, I think, comes out. Uh, May 31st is when the volume two collection comes out. So, Oh, okay. Maybe I'll just order the uh, volume two and read them both at once. There we go. Heck yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I love the first issue. I can't wait to read it. It's a beautiful book. Super intriguing premise. Yeah, that, that book just doesn't quit. I... I went back and reread it recently because I was trying to listen to an episode of our show that was recorded that I wasn't on. And um, they were talking about we only find them when they're dead. And I was like, man, I love this book, but I can't remember anything that's going on in the series. (laughs) Um, I will say this is a, a series that definitely benefits from reading in like chunks right so like read the first volume and then read the second volume like reading month to month has been a pain for me on that book just because ewing and uh DeMeo, they're telling a very long story right mm-hmm. and th- that doesn't always translate to 
like month to month books, I feel like, you know, like sometimes this is the same issue I had with like the Wicked and Divine um, and die to a certain extent, you know, like some of Kieran Gillen's books uh, are very like long in what they're trying to tell. And I feel like reading them in batches. East of West had this same problem, too, right? Like the Jonathan Hickman and uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name like that, that book that they did just huge storylines that really. I don't know. Maybe they should have been a series of graphic novels or something. <laughs> I don't know. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, but it's just as with uh, just the way comics are marketed and stuff, they're just kind of forced to have that monthly release, even if it doesn't oh, benefit yeah. like the actual storytelling. Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely, definitely feel that. Um, but yeah, no, that book is that book is sick. So I'm glad that I'd be excited to hear what you think of it once you get to the first volume because that that first volume cliffhanger is is quite something. <laughs> I'll say just say that. Ah, uh, I'm excited. Uh, Kate, what about you? What's uh, what's on the top of your pile? I'm excited for a series called New Masters. Um, issue number four released this week. This is by Nigerian brothers Shobo and Shoff. And I haven't actually heard of this book before. Um, and seeing this on the new releases list is is kind of my first my first clue that it even exists so i need to go back and and start with issue one but this book really seems like it's got all of the elements of a story that i like and i just want to read this description because i can't do any better than what's written okay (laughs) (laughs) a blend of science fiction adventure drama and vibrant afrofuturism and a striking vision of west africa under the thumb of alien colonizers a motley crew of outcasts find themselves caught up in a power struggle for control of an ancient artifact with a power so this sounds yeah. great <laughs> this book this book rules i will say oh, I've, been read reading, it? I've been reading it since issue one i really really enjoy it every time i feel like this book is getting like a little too convoluted it finds a way to ground itself and it's so smart it's so well done and shof's art is incredible from issue one to issue three that i've read so far yeah love this book i think it, this is going to be like a killer collected edition but you should you should just read one through four like it's that good and it reads really well what month to month in in comparison to we only find them when they're dead <laughs> yeah i was actually like figuring out how how i wanted to read this if i just wanted to trade weight like i usually do or what and it looks like the kindle editions are only two dollars which seems really cheap but then i i pretty much only read digital comics either that i've backed or through hoopla so mm-hmm. is that is that cheap for any well so here, here's the thing uh, that's been weird. I mean, uh, Curtis, I mean, feel free to chime in. I don't know how you re- regularly read your comics and stuff, but uh, there's been this weird thing that we were, we were talking about this at the Hangout that we had last night um, on Discord. There's something going on with how the like digital editions of some of these books are being sold, right? Uh, maybe other folks on the internet have already figured this out, but like image books and boom books for some reason are like, weirdly cheaper like they're a buck cheaper than the physical books i don't know if it's all books or if it's some books but yeah like this being two bucks is is cheap i know that oni press and boom and or it's not oni press boom and image will discount their books by like a buck or two after a month or so um because back in the day i was reading rick and morty and i was trying to catch up and i just would buy them as they got discounted um and i think that's oni press so like that may be part of it but i was seeing even brand new books from boom and from image going for a buck cheaper than their physical counterparts so i think that that's a good thing like uh on my kickstarter books are always more expensive than you know in comic shops and stuff but i do sell like the digital versions for like much cheaper than the physical ones so I, i feel like like uh i feel like they should be cheaper like not you're not having that physical product and they they don't need the money for like printing or anything so mm hmm yeah, yeah I was just surprised by it. Yeah, I mean, hey, like it's the best 
unkept secret, I guess, like to <laughs> tell everyone, but don't tell Amazon, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, I'm not going to complain about that. I'm I'm happy to, to get books for a little bit cheaper if I can, um, if only because, you know, cheaper books is cheaper books. But um, yeah, no, that's I, I'm excited to hear what you think of New Masters, though, Okay, whether you read it in the single issues or if you read it in the collected edition, because I'm really enjoying it. Um, but I'm curious to know what you think. I usually like the things that you like. So at least in <laughs> well, terms of like science fiction and fantasies. Yeah, uh, that is true. I feel like you and I recommend each other things that we're both like, I don't know. But at the end of the day, because one of us likes it, the other definitely does. Yeah. Like that, that weird French book that you recommended, uh, the, the steampunk <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, there was that was it that steampunk book where like they try they're trying to get to the moon on like a, a, a what's it called? Like a big Zeppelin. That book, I for some reason really, really dug that. I just haven't gone back to read more. So castle in the stars yeah Is castle in the castle oh, in the stars. i really wanted to read that one yeah it's so good it's so beautiful yeah it's it's very very pretty anyways i'm gonna let, let me talk about some of uh, the book that i'm excited for and i guess before i get into that i should do my discord picks um we've got some folks hanging out with us live on our discord if you go to ircbpodcast.com you can click on that discord link and it'll take you right to the show's uh official discord so you can come to our hangouts and listen to our episodes live and all that stuff um this week Danny, Cinco, and Hugh are hanging out with us. Danny is looking forward to reading Savage Avengers number one. If this is a Jason Aaron book, I'm editing this entire section out of the show. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, no, this is Gary Duggan. Uh, just kidding. I'm just, I don't have anything against Jason Aaron. I just, the Savage Avengers thing is such a weird concept to me. Um, Cinco is looking forward to reading Static Shock. <laughs> and uh, uh, Hugh is looking forward to reading Bolero number five. And I think they also said they were going to read Immortal X-Men number two, which that was almost my pick for this week. Almost because I'm loving that as someone who's in- completely entrenched in the X-Men universe. Oh, Danny says this is David Pepos. OK, never mind me. David Pepos, high five. Good for him. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to reading I Hate This Place number one by Kyle Starks, um, Artyom Tomlin, uh, colors by Lee Lowridge. Uh, with this creative team, for those of you that are at home, maybe you haven't heard of this creative team, but this creative to me, creative team to me is insane. We've got Kyle Starks, who's done everything that is incredible, such as Old Head, uh, Rick and Morty. I think there's Kaiju. Oh, man. <laughs> What's the Kaiju Jail book that came out? I wanted to say Kaiju number eight. That's not it. Um, but Kyle Starks, fantastic comedy writer, amazing stuff. Uh, Kaiju Max. Thank you, Danny. Uh, Artyom Topolin, their work that they did in Ice Cream Man Quarantine Comics with Denny's Camp is probably one of my favorite stories in the entire Quarantine Comics run. If you didn't read that, that's okay. Go just read that little one story if you can. It's like a buck online. Absolutely fantastic. Their art is unbelievably good. Like surprised at how... No one has discovered this person before, so I'm very excited to see them on a regular ongoing book. And Lee Lowridge, I mean, you know this person. They've done Deadly Class, The Good Asian, Southern Cross. Ever heard of any of these books? Like, those colors are fantastic, especially looking at Deadly Class. Like, come the F on, everybody. So the premise of this book, though, um, is that someone inherits a haunted house, and in order to not die, they need to follow the quote-unquote house rules. I'm really excited to check this out because I feel like it's going to be a mix of horror and comedy. You know, Kyle Sarks does a good comic book. <laughs> so I'm very excited about this one. Uh, yeah, I, I I feel like there's going to be some some weird fun quirks. And if anything, it will probably be better than that other book about a house that I will not talk about. So anyways, <laughs> uh, I guess let's uh, let's talk a little bit 
uh, more about comic books, though. Uh, specifically, let's talk about Curtis's comic books. Curtis, you have a bunch of stuff going on right now. You've got a Kickstarter that's running. You've got a book coming out from Dark Horse pretty soon. Um, I guess to get things started, like where did uh, Slightly Exaggerated, which is your current ongoing k- Kickstarter, where did that book come from? That one is a weird, whimsical fantasy series. Um, it's about like dying and leaving a legacy and just kind of like existential crisis. So that's uh, it's like a, I guess it's this weird, like strange fantasy world with like flying sea creatures and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So it looks like a fun, like a fun, carefree story, but then it's kind of wrapped up with a lot of like deeper themes. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe I read the first two issues of this and uh, it is, it is very wild. Uh <laughs> I think you maybe are underselling it, just just the the craziness of the world that this story takes place in. Um, I guess, how did this book come together? I guess, how did you find your creative team to work along with you to make this book happen? Yeah, for that one, I found uh, Pius Bach uh, back when he he was only on Kickstarter. He was doing some other indie book, and I just fell in love with his work. So we just scheduled it up to work. I, I knew his art style would be perfect for this, like, weird fantasy world where... You know, I have a different series, Beastlands, which is like much more grounded fantasy world and uh, slightly exaggerated. It's just like over the top, like anything goes. And it's just so much fun to work on with him. Um, uh, when I'm like doing these books, I have kind of like an art style in my head that I think would be good for it. And uh, his his style is just like perfect for this weird fantasy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I really love the just kind of out there feeling that this whole book has like it's everything that make like whenever i think of like really really bizarre sci-fi stuff that <clears throat> is less more less the like side of like dystopian cyberpunk future and more like fantasy oriented like i i realize i'm describing sci-fi and it's kind of like a mix of of both of those things to a certain extent in my head um but like i love the the lore that you establish in this world of like being way way bigger and there's probably not enough pages in the written world to explain everything that's going on like everything about this universe feels humongous um just from like the first two issues so i'm I'm very excited to see where this book goes i feel like that's like that's always uh what you try to do you don't want to over explain the world or Mm -hmm. uh, but i feel like good world building is when the writer knows all that stuff but doesn't like uh you know doesn't lay it down to the reader like you just kind of like sprinkle it in throughout and the reader can hopefully tell that it's a bigger world and there's more to it mm-hmm. yeah like i'm just i'm just scrolling through the kickstarter and i'm just like if i were to sit down i could probably pick your brain about the one million and one things that are just <laughs> in some of the preview images of this book right like old religions and ruins and how do these various animals and things come together why are some of these people sentient some of them not like so many different cool things about this book but yeah i guess like for folks that at home who are who are interested in this kickstarter i guess what what can they expect if they go out there and support it yeah so this is a four issue series uh issues one through four are available on the kickstarter right now um our books are super high quality uh like we do like collected editions with like numeric stamping on the front there's only a thousand of those the the titles have like foil stamping so as an indie publisher these are like self-published and like just like really like way more high quality than anything you would find in your comic shop, the way the pages are printed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, it's a fun treasure hunt adventure about a dying girl that has to steal back a sacred gem from a crazed cult leader um, in a whimsical fantasy world. So it's just a, you know, a fun story with these deeper themes about death and uh, you know, leaving a legacy. Yeah. And you get, you know, you get four issues of beautiful art by Pius, who he's doing a bunch of work for Boom now. He did uh, Firefly and a bunch of other great books. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool stuff. I, I realize I've been, I've been talking quite a bit. So Kate, feel free to jump in. <laughs> 
Um, I have uh, questions about your other series, actually. Um, for Wild Cosmos and Beastlands, I, I backed everything that's that's come out through Kickstarter already, and they both kind of ended on cliffhangers. So <laughs> just as an eager fan, is there going to be more of, of both of those series? Yes, definitely. Uh, Wild Cosmos is two more issues. Beastlands is kind of ongoing. We're definitely going to get to 10 issues on Beastlands. That'll be like volume two. And, uh, you know, it just depends as an indie series, like as long as my co-creator wants to keep drawing it, like I, I have uh, up to like five volumes of outlines for Beastlands. But Wild Cosmos is going to be a five issue series. It's just about, you know, as an indie creator, like these things take longer. And I, I know it sucks when you like leave things on cliffhangers and then it takes like another year for like the next Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. But we are uh, we are working on those last two issues of Wild Cosmos and we'll have uh, issues one through five, the full series on Kickstarter soon. And then that one will come out with Scout Comics later, so it'll be in uh, comic shops again. That's cool. I'm excited nice. for that. Um, really enjoyed both of those series. Very like different though. Like it's cool that you you have different genres of things out. Yeah, I, I love high concepts. Uh, that's what I like to read. So as a creator, like I'm always writing these weird fantasy and sci-fi worlds. I think like I'll probably always write stuff like that. Um, just I guess that's just what I like to read. But yeah, I'm I'm glad you like it. Thank you. Yeah, I am in love with the art in Beastlands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Joe's amazing. It makes my job a lot easier when you work with amazing artists. Joe's art is just beautiful. I got lucky. I, I just, uh, I, when I was writing Beastlands, I always had this idea. Uh, I grew up in the 90s, so I always wanted to do like my own take on like, a, you know, these like monster, uh, like these pocket monsters type things, you know, Pokemon, Digimon, like Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always wanted to do like an original take on it. And uh, I always had like the art style in my head, just like Joe's. And I just happened to find her work. And it was before she ever worked on a comic. So then I just sent her a message and asked her if she was like interested because I did see some like comic pages she did for commissions, but they were just like one-off pages. And uh, she took a little bit of time to think about it, and then she ended up joining. And luckily, like she made the series what it is, so it was just perfect. Everything lined up. Yeah, and Beastlands is the is the book you've got coming out through Dark Horse. They're doing a collection. Um, what all can that? What all does that? Uh, I guess collection entail, and what can people look forward to if they buy it? Yeah, so that collection will be issues one through five that we previously self-published on Kickstarter. They're going to do a trade paperback of those first five issues, which is kind of like the first volume. Um, that is called Beastlands Keepers of the Kingdom. That's out next month. It'll be uh, June 15th in comic shops and the 28th on like Amazon and bookstores. So it's almost here. It was, uh, it was a long time in the making. We signed the contract for that like before the pandemic so it's just been so long of uh you know first they had to wait for us to like finish the kickstarters get the issues one through five done and then Mm -hmm. it was just like so many months of like build up of release for them but it's like finally in a month it'll almost be here it's uh can't wait yeah that's super exciting um i guess kate i'm stealing some of your questions so i apologize (laughs) um but like do you know if the if the collected edition is going to have any extra like rear back matter and stuff like that or is it just like as as it as collected just the issues themselves no i i always uh you know as a comic reader i love that extra stuff so we're gonna have all the covers in the back we have a special like eight page making of back there where me and joe talk about like how beastland started and stuff and like the influence of it for me like i i said how like i wanted to do like my original take on like pokemon or something but it's obviously much more mature and much more like like these are creatures that don't have any like elemental abilities or magical powers. They're almost like real world pets. And uh, that was kind of like the main theme of the story is trying to put that pet and human bond into a story. My dog was hit by a car a few years ago um, before I started writing these lands, but luckily she survived, but it just took like extra care for her recovery and stuff. So that's, Mm -hmm. that was like, that was kind of what influenced Beastlands and like why I wanted to write it. I feel like you have to have like a 
I don't know, for your story to be good, you have to have like a personal reason of like why you want to tell a story. And that was definitely like a big reason behind Beastlands. Definitely, definitely. I I have some questions, but Kate, I want to I want to let you get to anything if you've got some some stuff. Yeah, um, just in terms of working with Kickstarter, like if if somebody wants to read something that is already out there, like like Wild Cosmos one through three, is there a good way for them to get even even just like a digital version of that, other than waiting for the next Kickstarter to get like the whole series package? That's a great question. Uh, people can always message me and I can sell them and like stuff via like PayPal and then just like email them. But I do have a, a company, it's Two Infinity Studios LLC and uh, I have a website for that where I have a shop there. I just need to update it. I've been too busy and uh, I still do like all of the Kickstarter shipping myself like after 15 Kickstarters, which uh, I need to eventually offhand and get like a fulfillment center. Whoa, um, yeah, <laughs> dude, <it's>... what? <laughs> No, I have like, uh, yeah, I have like 1500 Beastland books that just arrived, the six and seven issues that just arrived and I have to like start shipping those after this interview. So it's, uh, it's, it's probably the least fun part of the Kickstarter process and sure. definitely something that I should have like offhanded a while ago. But, uh, you know, it's just one of the things I was used to doing and just kept doing it, but I've grown to a level where, uh, yeah, I definitely got to get somebody to start shipping books for me. <laughs> We're going to start a GoFundMe to get you a fulfillment yeah. center set up that is yeah, for your so, Kickstarters that you then pay for via Indiegogo or something. I don't know how we'll figure yeah. that out. But So once I, uh, <laughs> once I get a fulfillment center, I'll definitely update the site. Like a, the plan, the plan is to have like a, you know, a regular shop for my company where people can buy the digital copies or even the physical copies when there isn't a Kickstarter live. That's the plan, but just too gotcha. busy with the uh, shipping and stuff. But uh, yeah, you can always shoot me a message. I can always sell people stuff. We'll put uh, your uh, all your contact stuff or whatever, you know, public contact stuff in our in our show notes for anyone that's interested, because Kate and I highly recommend this stuff is what we're saying. Yeah, um, I one of my biggest frustrations with Kickstarter, it's it's so good for funding these in- individual products to get like get things off the ground and, and get them produced. But then if you miss a Kickstarter, sometimes it can be so hard to find that content. Right. That is the problem. Like if you don't have it, like luckily I, I do launch like four Kickstarters a year. So like usually people <laughs> yeah. can find and I'm always selling back issues on there, but I do get a ton of messages of like people asking like, where can they get the stuff? And then that's where I'll tell them just like PayPal and stuff. But that's where have you guys heard of Zoop, the, the that like new crowdfunding platform? Yeah, no. yeah, I've seen a little bit of that, but yeah. Um, so there's uh, they have like a deal where they they kind of help you out with printing and they'll do like the shipping for you, but they take like twenty five percent of your funds, which is mm-hmm. a, a much bigger cut than Kickstarter takes. But it's just right. uh, it's so tempting because of all the stresses that a Kickstarter has. Where where I guess you know after fifteen Kickstarters, I'm used to it. I'm used to doing. Uh, I'm kind of like a book design nerd where I'm used to. Uh, knowing all the ins and outs of the uh, paperweight and all this stuff where I, I kind of like that control. But when mm-hmm. it comes to somebody helping you with the shipping where you could probably get these out much faster, uh, it's definitely tempting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really curious to see how many creators try to move to Zoop because I've, I've heard nothing but positive things, right? Um, and I know that like I am... Uh... I'm subscribed to the Jonathan Hickman and all of his million of creators that he's got thing in there. Yeah, and he, he's partnered with Zoop. Yeah, yeah, they're they're paired with Zoop to do the distribution for their book. So I'm I'm curious to know like maybe Zoop in the future will offer like different levels of you know 
how much work they want versus how much percentage they're going to take so on and stuff. Um, so I'd be curious to know how that's going to change because I know that folks are trying to get away from Kickstarter because of the whole blockchain thing. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was curious your thoughts about like, you know, what are the advantages to see of using Kickstarter over other ways to publish comics or distribute them um, via digital, like through Gumroad or through whatever other places. Um, I'm curious to know why you've cons- consistently stuck with uh, Kickstarter over the years. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I hope Kickstarter gets that stuff taken care of. But like the blockchain, like a, as a, a veteran creator on Kickstarter, I don't like to see them having issues like that. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm always keeping an eye open on competitors and seeing what's around there. But for now, I'm sticking with Kickstarter, and yeah. uh, I just feel like it the the mindset of it is so smart, where things are only available for a limited time. Uh, you you can adjust how long you want your Kickstarter to run. Sometimes you do it for 30 days. I, I did one. Earlier this year, we did a full soundtrack for Beastlands, a Kickstarter that ran 14 days. So we're working with like an orchestra that's going to make a vinyl for us and stuff. Yo, and that one cool. was just a quick one. But uh, I guess having that like limited time, um, I, I don't know. It just makes people want to support you because like after that 30 days, you, like like we said, it, it is hard to get. Like you have to shoot me a message. You have to go through all these hoops when uh, I guess um, – I'm not like a marketing expert or anything, but I think that is what makes these Kickstarter so successful is having that limited time frame, limited availability. And um, and I just, Kickstarter has gotten so popular over the past 10 years that you find a lot of new readers just from Kickstarter naturally, where right. Kickstarter is almost like a different reader base than these like comic shop reader bases. People come to Kickstarter to find like good indie comics. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting way to look at it because I think... Every time I've tried to pitch Kickstarter comics to people who are traditional, you know, local comic shops uh, readers, it's it is a very different mindset to take in. They're like, oh, six dollars for a single issue comic. And you're like, right. yeah, but there's like a, a difference there. Right. Like usually you're getting higher quality uh, like printing costs, you're usually getting higher quality or longer stories, I guess. Um, and like knowing that these creators have the time to create things, you know, and not have aren't stuck to this like deadline of 28 day turnaround, you know, you usually end up with a much higher quality comic. Um, I, I know I've been hit with some duds in the past, but I feel mm-hmm. like on the whole, I'm doing pretty well. Like I'm nine for 10, I think out of all of the, you know, hundreds of Kickstarters that I've backed. So I don't feel too bad about it. Yeah. You, you would think as like indie creators that maybe there would be like a quality dip, but I think there's the other way around where, uh, like you said, these are more, usually more expensive. So that's why it's like a different market. But then you have to think of it like every book is like every book I ship out touches my hands. I'm signing them. I'm touching them personally. I'm like shipping them with such care. Like I, I don't want them to like arrive damaged or dinged up or anything. Like I think of them as almost like high quality collector items, especially mm-hmm. these like collector's versions that have like numeric stamping on them and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like we don't have deadlines. Like we kind of, uh, it takes us a little longer. It takes us months to draw one issue and write it. But like we're putting our, you know, the, the, we're putting like so much hard work into it. We want it to be the best that it can be. Right. I mean, it's it's almost like taking that approach of like like a bon dessinée, right? Like where like the, the French graphic novels where you get like, you know, 96 pages or 100 pages in like a year. Right. And these folks are spending the whole year working on it. and They're putting their blood, sweat and tears into it, like maybe not 24 seven, but, you know, as a full time job or at least enough to be full time so that you can get paid for this this 
very beautiful thing that ends up getting created. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like Kickstarter kind of takes that approach in a lot of ways, which is why I'm always for like backing collections and, and stuff like that um, or original graphic novels. Cause I'm like, sure, I'm not going to get this for nine months, but I'm fine with buying a book every nine months. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, Danny in the chat makes a point, like you're not buying Kickstarter comics every week, you know, unless you're backing that many Kickstarter comics. Yeah. Which, that's a good, it's like, if you're like a super fan, almost like, like it's not for everyone, but if you're like a super fan of a creator and, you want to buy it from them like once a year it's like the perfect situation where you're going to get like these little extra goodies and extra making of content and stuff and exactly and it is a good point like they, they are definitely very different audiences like I, I think of like the convention audience the comic shop audience and then the kickstarter audience where mm-hmm. uh you know you you can buy beastlands one through five collected in a trade by dark horse where it's going to be like shipped all over the world to like comic shops and it's only 20 bucks but they like we like i just launched a new kickstarter and there's still people paying like way above that to get these other beastlands issues Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just interesting how they can both survive. And even though you can pay less and get the trade, like people still want to pay extra to get these like single issues. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's also I think a lot of people and this is this is something that's just happened over time. Right. Of people being a little bit more literate about this, the entire like comics industry. Um, I think folks that are digging things out on Kickstarter are probably more likely to support Kickstarters. Um, especially regu- more regularly, right? Because like there are always going to be people that one time come across your book and they're like, "Oh, this looks cool," and they back it and they don't care what the price is because it's their first time in the, you know buying something. But there are folks like you know a lot of the folks who are on the show, listen to the show. Uh, we're all very much aware of like how much the margins are for single issue comics that you're buying at your shop right and like volume sales is where it's at in order to to make like a a living wage if you're selling it like image or somewhere where you are strictly creator owned so understanding that yeah i'm gonna pay six dollars for a single issue of comic that means that like by selling a thousand or two thousand or ten thousand whatever it may be like you're more likely to actually feel like you can live on that wage right um not to get too into the nitty-gritty on the on the, the economics of it but i think that also plays into people's decision to be okay with paying the higher cost because they know that it's going directly to the creator, right? Like there's no middle person or marketer that's going to steal money from this, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, you were saying like, why, why keep going back to Kickstarter as well? It's because you have full control where I, I feel like it, uh, you know, in 2022, there's almost this model where if you want to make a book, you could go pitch directly to publishers, but I feel like like the smarter financial thing to do almost would be to uh, published through Kickstarter first and then like we did with Beastlands and then you can always find like a publisher later and re-release right. it. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's a smarter plan. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and that's that's the thing that always makes me interested about these these Substack things is like that is kind of like the the a circle di- slightly different way to do a very similar thing right where a lot of these creators are creating a lot of digital co- content until uh, it with event with the idea of eventually getting it printed through a distributor but they're getting you know money from Substack up front to just make comics and stuff um, I'd be curious to know if you'd be interested in doing something like that in the future whether that's through Substack or something something different yeah I would definitely be interested I, it's necessarily one of those things like Zoop where I just kind of keep an eye on it and like watch it from afar and see how it does I, mm-hmm. I have a mailing list that I put out um uh, weekly so it's kind of similar to that but it would be cool to do you know to do like a digital version of comic through a mailing list uh but I, yeah i don't know if i'm big enough yet to have like a following where financially it's worth it uh, but sure sure just definitely keep an eye on it one of those things that you like to it's always fun to see zoop or substack these new things going on that are uh that could like change the industry yeah definitely I guess I, I have one last question, which is slightly in a different direction, which is like of all of the series that you've written and that you have out, like what has been your biggest challenge to write? And I guess maybe also get out there to the world. Biggest challenge. Um, 
I guess when you're writing these, like, uh, like I said, like slightly exaggerated, it's very much like existential crisis and, uh, and about death and life. Uh, I guess stuff like that can be hard where, uh, when I was, I just wrote issue four, the final issue, a uh, couple, couple months ago and like it kind of brought me to tears. Uh, so it's like stuff like that, I guess can be hard where you just want to, I guess, putting so much of your, like your personal self into these books. Definitely. Yeah. That's, I have to imagine trying to deal with existential crisis through fiction in some sort of metaphor might be a yeah. little tough. <laughs> yeah. I am kind of curious how you find the rest of your creative team. You kind of mentioned that um, for Beastlands, but um, just you have you have like other other um, people in addition to artists as well. And I just wondered how that all comes together. Yeah, just being around indie comics for so long now. Like I did my first Kickstarter back in 2017. And uh, when I did that, my first series was The Log Cosmos. And when I first started it, I was going to letter it myself. And uh, horrible idea as a writer. If you've never, <laughs> never lettered a book, like it's going to look horrible. Uh, and it's not going to look very professional. So luckily, Tobin Rasikot, my letter on that series, and he's lettered a bunch of my books now, reached out to me during that Kickstarter campaign for the first issue. And, uh, you know, he's the letter for Beastland, slightly exaggerated. And it's just, uh, I guess, being in the industry, like, I'm always keeping an eye out for, like, new art talent and just uh, staying friendly with, like, other artists I want to work with. And um, now I'm working with this Skybound designer, Andres uh, Juarez, uh, and he's he's doing like the design on Beastlands now and slightly exaggerated. So it's just like keeping an eye open in the indie community, um, finding other letters to work with, other artists, designers. Like you want these books to look the best possible. And as a writer, uh, like the more you can offhand these duties, like if I'm not doing design and lettering, like it's just going to be better. It's going to look more professional. Um, well, cool. I guess um, I think that wraps things up then. Um, I guess, Curtis, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah. Uh, and I guess to, I, th- sorry, last thing I should say is where can people find you on the internet? I guess if they've they've got questions or they just want to check out your stuff in general. Yeah, I'm at Curtis Clow on pretty much all the platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and have a Facebook page as well. Very cool. All right. Well, we'll make sure to put those links in the show notes um, and we'll have to get you on TikTok because that's where everyone's saying you got to go to next, right? <laughs> I, um, uh, I definitely never want to get on TikTok, but <laughs> I did download the app and I checked to see if Curtis Cloud was available and it was taken. Somebody took it from me. So I was like, all right, this this is just uh, this is a sign that I'm not going to go on here. Uh, that, that's totally understandable. Totally understandable. <laughs> uh, well, I guess to, to wrap things up on our end, uh, next week's show is going to be me and Tia and Renee. We're going to chat comics and likely get into something extreme extremely off topic beyond comics i can't wait to see what that's going to be um as always you can follow us on twitter you can follow kate at kl fear you can follow me at mike rapid and you can follow the show at ircb podcast on twitter instagram and the apparently very awful uh tiktok (laughs) (laughs) but we're on there we're trying to be present i guess we got to share the podcast in some way um so apologies Curtis, you're indirectly probably going to be on TikTok this week. I'm just gonna just warn you. You know, if I could find somebody to like run a TikTok for me, that'd be like perfect. Maybe I'll make a company TikTok. All right, everybody, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna put Curtis's contact information in the show notes. Reach out if you want to help. This podcast first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can join at Patreon.com/slash IRCB Podcast. I will say. The, the last, the latest episode of A Better Batmobile is out. I'm going to plug it every time it comes out. It's probably the best show we've ever made. 
that's another reason for you to get on <laughs> your your podcatcher and rate our show five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts because we deserve those five stars. Uh, you can join the IRCB Discord community to, to chat comics and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week on Sundays. Check the link to our Discord in the show notes. Podcasts grow and spread by word of mouth, so why not tell your friends, family, local comic book shop, or maybe just your next-door neighbor about I Read Comic Books? We would really, really appreciate it. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is the very cool guy who makes us sound very cool every week, and we love him to death. He's our editor, for the record. I want to say thank you to Curtis and Kate for being on this episode. Thank you to everybody who listens live and hangs out with us and chats with us on Twitter and just listens to the show in general. You're wonderful, fantastic human beings. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Thank you.